on your way to your seat, warmly welcome one, two, three people around the Bible stuff. appears that some people don't know that Bible study has resumed because we just uh, finished ablaze. So please do tell them that Bible study has resumed. Um, I do not want many people to miss out on what I'm sharing. And so as a result of that, I'm going to do a recap taught so far before we went on break and then I'll move on a little bit but then at the highest speed next week I'll be breaking down. So tonight I want to welcome you all to the presence of the Lord. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians and chapter 12 which is our main text and I want to speak and teach on spiritual gifts. Now concerning spiritual gifts, I took, I lifted that title verbatim from 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 1. Paul the Apostle wrote this letter to the Christians at Corinth. Corinth, to give you a bit of a background, was a place that was sold to idolatry. People were, the people there were predominantly uh, idol worshippers. But then Paul and his company took the gospel there. And to a lot of these people, the gospel was coming for the first time. They were just hearing about the Lord Jesus. And because there, some of them were not yet thoroughly grounded in the word like we have today. You still have a mixture of your old lifestyle and then your new life in Christ. Uh, they, there was a lot of misdemeanors in the church. You know, uh, fornication was among them. Idol worship still a little bit. Uh, the observance of their regular rituals was still there. And quite a number of other things which Paul addressed in this, this particular letter. Now, in chapter 12, this was a letter. It was an epistle, very long letter to the Corinthians. But for the ease of reading and understanding, that was why Bible scholars put these in chapters and verses for ease of reading and understanding. Now, chapter 12 from verse 1, it says, Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Let me pause there. First of all, he called them brethren. Brethren means brothers and sisters. He was trying to let them know that now we are one in Christ. No matter your background, no matter where you're coming from, the day you give your life to Christ to become your Lord and Savior, you become a brother, you become a sister in the common faith, in our common faith in Christ Jesus. You are now my brother, you are now my sister. Regardless of your background, regardless of your pedigree, your degree, no matter what you have, no matter what you don't have, we are now members of the same family. That's why we need to, we should refer to each other and one another as brothers and sisters. And if we see one another in that light, we would then be able to look out for the good of one another. In a lot of the ills, in a lot of the uh, 
uh, evil wishing, evil speaking that goes on in churches today would not go on when we see one another as brothers and sisters. But the problem is we really don't, you know, um, we're still segregated in our minds. So if, if God is doing something in somebody's life, well, good for them. And if something bad happens to someone, instead of you to support them and pray for them and shield them and say, no, my brother, you're better than this. You should get out of this era. We criticize and kill them because we don't see them as brethren. If it were your biological brother who is in trouble, would you walk away from him unless there is something wrong with your family? In a normal family, if one person has a problem, everybody has a problem. I know families where if somebody falls sick as a child, the parents will put them on the bed. You sleep between us. That's the way it happens. If my kids fall sick, for example, you're going to sleep on our bed. You're going to sleep on our, between my, my wife and I. Praise God, amen. That's family. But when you're grown, oh yeah, we'll come to your room and, and check you out. But as long as you're a child, you sleep on our bed if you're not feeling well. That's family. You don't walk away from your sister that is in trouble. One love binds us together. We are the owner of love. Love. The people of the world don't understand love. They know romance. At best, what they understand is eros. And you know, there are different kinds of love. There is filio, there is eros, there is agape. Agape is the God kind of love. We are the ones who know that. We are the ones who understand. Who should understand it? Because it is the nature of our God. God doesn't have love. God has power. God has faith. God doesn't have love. God is love. The Bible never calls God power. The Bible never calls God faith, but the Bible calls God love. First John chapter 4 and verse 8. He that, what, that, what, that loveth not, knoweth not God, because God is love. First John chapter 4 verse 16. If you don't love, you don't know God. If you don't walk in love, you don't know God, because God is love. Two verses in the same chapter describe God as love. God is love. That's why in John 3, 16, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. Why did he so love the world? Because that's his nature. So he so expressed himself towards the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He loves us so much, that's why we're still alive today. That's why we've not been taken down by the, by the wishes of our enemy. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to love one another. We are supposed to express the same kind of love that we have received from God towards other people. Especially the members of the household of faith and then to the people that are, that are not even members of our church. To people that are not even members of your family. Can I tell you something? Love is a universal language. It's a universal language. Everybody, and even the mad, mad people on the streets, when you show them love, they understand it. There are people who commit themselves to feeding those who are mentally challenged. They cook food and go and give them. They serve them. Those mentally challenged people don't ever bite them. They don't beat them. They don't injure them. The moment they see a pack of food and water, they run for it. They grab it and maybe say thank you or just walk away. Everybody responds to love. If you go to Japan and you don't speak Japanese, just smile. All it takes at the airport, just smile at a lady or at a young man. He will smile back. People respond to love. We want to do soul winning, want to do evangelism, but we want to preach at people, they will never give their lives to Christ. But you show them love and see whether they will respond to it or not. Somebody's in trouble around you and you offer to, to help them.
can, can I, let me give you an example. You're driving on the highway and you see someone else, this is about 8.30 p.m. And then their car, maybe their car broke down and you're parked right there and you walk up to them to say, hey, do you need some help? They say, yeah, really, my, my, my car, I just don't know what's wrong. And, and I guess it's just overheating or something. And, and then you say, okay, let's open the bonnet. Would they ask you, are you a Christian or Muslim or idol worshiper before you touch my car? Can, can you talk to me, somebody? Would they ask you that question? They would never. They would say, thank you, because they are stranded and they need help. Are you with me tonight? And then you help them. Would they ask you, after you've helped them, sorry, please, uh, uh, do you go to church or do you, do you go to mosque? They don't care. They want love. They want help. And you have helped them. You've helped them. Paul called them brethren. He said, I, I want you guys to understand that we are brethren. And Christ made us brethren. Hebrews 2.11. Can you flip over there and then come back here? Quickly. This is Bible study, so we'll go here and there, have some detours, and then come back. Hebrews 2 and verse 11. If you're there, can you say amen? If you're not there yet, can you say wait up? Okay, I'm awake. I'm in Hebrews now. Hebrews after Philemon, you'll find that in the New Covenant. It's not in the Old Testament. And Philemon is after Titus. Praise God. So if you're in Titus, speed up, get to Philemon. And then after Philemon, you get to Hebrews. Okay? I want to believe everybody's there now. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 11. And I want us to read together. I want us to read this together. Hebrews 2, 11. One, two, go. For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause is not ashamed to call them brethren. Now, I've read from the King James Version. But I understand that not all of, not all of us have King James Version. So, can I have a more modern translation of this? All right, there, there. Could you please come up and read? What translation is that? Okay, tell them. Both the one who makes... NIV, New Testament, International Version, yes. Hebrews 11. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. I, I, I love that translation. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of one family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. Jesus is the one that makes people holy. You didn't make yourself holy. You surrendered your life to him. You received him into your heart. He made you holy. So you are holy. Can I have an amen to that? Don't join them to say, nobody holy pastor. Nobody. That's out of ignorance. People talk out of it. He has made us holy. But you sing that song in church. I am holy. I am righteous. Oh. I know there is another kind of holiness which comes in your regular making of choices. There's another kind of righteousness which comes by making daily choices. Yeah, but first of all, statutorily, first of all, in terms of your status changing in the realm of the spirit, the day you receive Jesus into your heart, he made you holy. Oh yeah, you don't know, I just killed somebody yesterday. Well, too bad. You gave, you gave your life to Christ now, he made you holy right now. Regardless of what you did in your past. And it's not holding up. And it's never going to hold up the sins of your past against you. Because when he forgives you, he throws that into the sea of forgetfulness. Can I have an amen to that? 
You will remember, the devil will remember, the devil will remind you, he will bring it up every time you want to pray. Shut up, shut up, you can't pray. You smoke Indian hemp, two wraps yesterday, shut up. That mouth is still stinking and reeking of alcohol. That's Mr. Devil for you. Tell him to get out of here in the name of Jesus. Jesus made me holy. Can I have an amen to that? The Bible says the one that makes people holy is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. If he's not ashamed, why are we ashamed to call one another brothers and sisters? That's my brother. That's my sister. We must have that spirit. That's the way we can move forward. Some of you don't greet each other on campus. Same, members of the same church and you see each other in school. Just walk away. That's your brother. You just ignore. That's your sister. So if they're in trouble, you should walk up to them and say, hey, come on everybody. Why are you trying to lynch my brother? He's my brother. Oh, he's your brother? How can he be your brother? You are a good guy. He's, that's my brother. Can I have an amen to that? So are we brothers and sisters of Jesus? Yes, we are. Please be confident in who you are in Christ. Are we brothers and sisters of, of Christ Jesus? He's our big brother. And he's not ashamed, even though he's our savior, he's still not ashamed to call us bro. Can you imagine Jesus showing up in your room and saying, hey sis, you doing? Oh, savior. Oh, yeah, I'm your savior, but I'm your brother. Amen. I mean, that connects with you on a very personal level. Paul called them brethren. He said, look, you might be idol worshippers before, but now you are my brethren. And he said, this thing is very important. I would not have you ignorant. Because it is possible to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. You know how many people have been born again for several years and didn't know nothing about spiritual gifts. It took me many years also to even know that there's a difference between knowledge and word of knowledge. In fact, from the Bible, you will find knowledge, one. You will find spirit of knowledge, two. Then you will find word of knowledge, and they are all different things. What you will not find is the gift of knowledge. There is no such thing as the spiritual gift of knowledge. There is only the discipline of study. I'll get there. Let me not run ahead of myself. I want us to read these verses from 1 all the way to 11. And then I will share with us from my heart. And then we'll um, close the service. Let's go to verse 2 now. Verse 1, he said, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would not have you ignorant. It's not good to be ignorant. It's not good to be an ignoramus. You must know something. Verse 2, you know that you were Gentiles. Gentiles means people that had no covenant with God. They were not Jews. They didn't have a covenant with God. Right? Carried away onto these dumb idols, even as you were led. So they were idol worshippers. Verse 3. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed. And that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. You know what was happening in their churches? Some of them were cursing Jesus. And they were prophesying. They were saying, how could Jesus have gone to the cross? And how could he have been so beaten and, and maltreated and malhandled? He must be cursed. And they thought they were having a spiritual service. Can you imagine in a church setting and somebody said, Jesus, who is Jesus? He was just a broke guy. He was just, he was just, he was just some maybe mental, mentally retarded guy. He was just, he was just crazy. People still say that in the world today. 
people who don't know Jesus. Your Jesus was just um, some drug addict, you know, who was just messing around. Paul the Apostle says, no man speaking by the Spirit of God can ever, ever, ever call Jesus accursed. So they must be speaking by another spirit. Are you with me tonight? Are you with me tonight? For example, somebody said Jesus was homosexual. I'd heard that before. He said, how come he had 12 disciples? They were all men. These guys were gay, you know what I mean? And he was backing it up with his own proof that even David and Jonathan were gay. You know what I mean? Because they had a covenant, man. You know what a covenant is, man. And he thought he was really speaking. And I, 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 he was speaking dust. I said, man, you might, you might be a PhD holder in philosophy. It doesn't mean jack. In fact, the higher you rise in this academic line, the, let me put it better. When you obtain a PhD, and it's good to go to school, many of you are in school, I'm in school myself. The higher you rise in your academic field, what is happening is that you are majoring, undermining. And I proved that to you. In your 100 level, you take a lot of courses. If you're in science, for example, do you know you even borrow courses from other departments? Courses you will never need in your life. You borrow all of them. Just as a way of familiarizing yourself with everything in your faculty and maybe even go to, an, I mean, from your department to another department. For example, if you're in psychology now, you take courses in sociology. You take some courses in uh, um, political science. And then you borrow maybe Echo or Geo or something. Then you have, you have your G GES and all of that. But the higher you go, the narrower your focus becomes. Because now you need to focus on why you are in school. Now up until when you finish your first degree, now you have your BSc in whatever, maybe zoology, maybe psychology, maybe whatever. Then you want to do your master's. For example, in psychology, you now have master's in different courses. There's industrial psychology. There is uh, personnel psychology. Maybe industrial and personnel. I don't get put together. There is, there is also the medical part of it. Uh, what do they call it now? Clinical psychology, thank you. And then other, uh, you know, fields. So you say, well, I have to now narrow it down to one area. Then when you get to that area and then you finish your master's and you want to go for your PhD, then you have to now narrow again. You have to make it narrow. Otherwise, you'll be confused. You can't be doing PhD in like three, four fields. What's your problem? You, you're going to get married and have children, man. There's no time reading all the books in the world. Amen. Let me give you an example. The field of medicine. I have two professors in my family. Both of them read medicine and surgery. But one majored in physiology. Physiology is just a branch of medicine, especially if you're in your pre-medical year, in your preclinical years, you have physiology, biochemistry, and uh, anatomy. So my uncle majored in physiology. His wife, who's also a professor, majored in anesthesia. Anesthesia is just a tiny bit of the whole of medicine and surgery. Now, the man in physiology doesn't do, it doesn't work as an anesthetist if there is a surgery in the theater. My aunt, who is a professor of anesthesia, does not open up a human brain to work in the brain if somebody has a brain problem. They have to get a neurosurgeon to do that. Now, listen, 
she read medicine and surgery, the neurosurgeon read medicine and surgery, but they will never cross each other's path. They can work together as a team on, in the theater on a patient. But everybody has to focus on their own tiny little field. Do you know that if somebody has a problem with their legs, they want to have kneecap replacement, you don't need a neurosurgeon to do kneecap replacement. You go for, you guys don't know medicine? <laughs> orthopedic surgeon. The orthopedic surgeon also read medicine and surgery in 100 level, all the way to 600. But at some point, he said, look, I want to major on the minor. Somebody said, I, I'm also reading medicine and surgery, but I don't want to do anything with surgery. I, I just want to deal with women, women-related issues. That's called obstetrics and gynecology. It's a little part of the whole of medicine. So one course that you are studying in school is why. So the, the, the higher you go, the more you major on the minor so that you can become an expert in that field. When I say minor, I don't mean it's inferior. I mean just for the point of focus, for you to be able to focus on this one thing. You can be a professor who is just dealing with skin, human skin. So people have dermatological problems, they come to you because you are a dermatologist. The fact that you are a professor of neurosurgery <laughs> or neuro whatever, neuroscience, never confers on you the right to walk into the theater where a woman is going to give birth and take delivery of that woman. You can go to jail in Sina Klein because that's not your field. But people say, ah, oh, but you're a doctor now. Say, you're the only doctor in our family. No, that's not my field. That doesn't mean you can walk on my eyes. You can't walk on my eyes because you're not into ophthalmology. Can you see different fields I'm talking about? There are some that major in blood. When it comes to blood, that's, that's their work. Anything blood, blood related, you are hearing hematology, that's their field. So somebody has blood cancer, they are, con they are, they are, they are consulted. And when you talk about, oh no, don't even go there. Just this human body. Some major up here. Some is ENT, eye, nose, and, and throat. Some, it's something else. Maybe the spines, the bone. Some, it's whatever goes wrong. Some, it's something else. Some, it's just, it's just kidney. They're specialists in the area of kidney. Kidney, that's all. They're called nephrologists. That is you majoring. Now, does the kidney make you up the whole of your being? You're just kidney, for example. Are you all kidney? You don't have a heart. All you, have, all you can boast of in your life is, I have a kidney. But somebody majors on that. What about the heart? Cardio. So if there's a problem with the heart, they don't call a nephrologist. They call a cardiologist because it majors on the heart. But all of these guys, when they started out from 100 level, they were in the same class, medicine and surgery. Me After a while, somebody said, I don't even like all that. I just want the teeth, the teeth. Dentistry, and that is not small. If you, if you ever had a toothache in your life, you'll appreciate these guys, these dentists. Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? Are you getting what I'm saying tonight? But with all of that, you still don't have all the knowledge. I said that to say, I found out three kinds of knowledge in the Bible. Knowledge itself, then the spirit of knowledge, and then the word of knowledge. 
I'll come to word of knowledge, explain that, move on to the other gifts. But I want us to read these three. So let's go. Are we in verse 2 already of verse 3? We've read verse 3. So verse 4 now. Now, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Lord. And there are differences of administrations, just like those different branches of medicine, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of operations, but it is the same God that works all in all. God is the only all-rounder. Amen? Nobody is an all-rounder. God is the only all-rounder. Are you with me? Number, verse 6. Okay, I've just read that now. Verse 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit without. Notice he didn't say the manifestation of the gift of the Spirit. He said the manifestation of the Spirit. What does that mean? Every time you see this gift in operation, it is the Holy Spirit that is manifesting himself. These are not gifts you can read up and get to function in them. No, you can never read your way into functioning in them. You can't even pray your way into functioning in them. You can desire and covet them, but the Holy Spirit gives as a way. He manifests himself. He can choose to manifest himself tonight through the word of knowledge. He, he may choose through someone else, the word of wisdom, someone else, the gift of faith, someone else, the sending of spirits, someone else, diverse kind of tongues. He chooses to give to every one of us as he wills. But there must be a hunger in your heart for this gift. Are you with me tonight? Verse 8. For to one, now let's look at the gifts. What are these gifts we are talking about? There are nine of them. You remember? Do you remember there are nine of them? Okay, good. So let's go. Verse 8. For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Somebody said the word of wisdom. That's a powerful gift. We'll talk about it. To another, the word of knowledge. By the same Spirit. So if he chooses, he gives favor the word of wisdom. And Moriah, the word of knowledge. But it's the same Holy Spirit. We've mentioned two of the gifts now. Let's go on quick. Verse 9. So another faith by the same Spirit. So somebody say, well, what if faith is not my gift? Hey, that's not what he's talking about here. There are four kinds of faith. If you're a believer in Christ, you have the general faith. Saving faith, general faith the fruits of faith, and then the gift of faith. This one is talking about the gift of faith, which not everyone has. But every believer has general faith. How did you get born again? By faith. You heard the word of God, the preacher made an altar call, and you responded. Or maybe you didn't respond, you got home, and on your bed in the night, you couldn't sleep. You said, okay, Lord, I know something is happening here. Jesus, come into my heart, forgive my sin, and save me. And then you got saved. You got saved by faith. So you have faith. Every believer has the measure of faith. Can I have an amen to that? But this one here is talking about the special kind of faith. The gift of faith. Not everyone has it. But everyone can covet to have it. And men are loved it. This guy here, this guy here called the gift of faith can receive anything from God. Can receive anything. When you see it in operation in your life, you'll be so happy. <laughs> because you can receive anything. You can believe God for anything. 
You can believe God for a dead person to come back to life. And you can believe God for stuff. Brand new laptop, brand new phone that you need for your course. Or you need a, 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 to expand your business. You need a, 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 a shop in a prominent place where there is high traffic and clients can look at your business and, and patronize you. When the gift of faith is in operation, you can believe God for anything. You can receive anything from God. It doesn't work a miracle. It receives a miracle. And you had better learn how to receive. Because many of us don't know how to receive. Including myself. I don't know very well how to receive. Because God has sent me certain things and I, and I found myself fighting them. And I was wondering, is this from God or what? Is this not too big? Is, isn't your God big? Your yes is so rich. Isn't your God big? Why are you always trying to settle for less? Why are we always trying to settle for less? Christians are special. Unbelievers don't care. Those guys do big things. They want to do a show, they make it loud. Christians want to organize a concert, they make it small. What if people don't come? The guys in the world don't care. They rent a stadium. They know people are going to come anyhow. They don't have stuff to give them. It's all the crazy stuff they have. But they know people are coming for the crazy stuff they have to offer. We have Jesus to offer. But can we just be a little, just a little, because wisdom demands that you live your life little by little by little by little till you get to heaven. Do something big in the name of Jesus. Can I have an amen? One of our sisters heard me share that. She got on the phone with me and said, Pastor, I want to do something big. I said, do it. I agree with you in the name of Jesus. Do it. You can lay hands on the sick and they recover. You can. It's not about you, Debbie. It's the Christ in you that is going to do it. So you obey and lay hands and walk away. Praise God. Amen. If they get up, fine. They don't get up, fine. But they will get up. You've sown the seed. And you believe that they're going to get up shrink back out of faith. What if? What if I start a business and nobody patronizes me? What if you start a business and everybody rushes you in one day and you can't even catch up with all the orders that are coming in? We are the children of the king, but we don't think like that. Unbelievers that have no connect with God, they have no connect with God. They say they are the children of the king. People that have no connect with, with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, the, true, the real Omobas, they are walking around like slaves. Let me just pass more in this school. Let me just make a subclass. Even if it's too true, I don't mind. Let me just. You are delivered from that in Jesus' name. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as he, no, 23, 7, yes. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Is it 23, 7 or 23, 4? Either of the two. We've got to check it. Check it out. I don't like to misquote. This is the word of God. I reverence the word of the Lord. Proverbs 23 is one of my favorite scriptures. Did I say seven? Seven. That's correct. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. You can't be greater than your thought life. How do you think? You think small, you're going to be small. It's not a prayer. It's not a curse. You think big, you're going to be big. How do you think? You know how I think? I allow the word of God help me think. 
if I see it in the world, I'm going to have it also. Because I tell God, whatever you don't want me to have, you better not put it in the Bible. If I see it in the Bible, I'll come for it also. Because I know you have it. And you have the ability to do it. And you're willing to give it to me. That's why you put it in the Bible. Can I have an amen? This gift are in the Bible so we can covet them and have them. Let's go on quickly. Verse, verse 9, isn't it? To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, the gifts of healings by the same spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. Why are we not prophesying in expression house? To another, descending of spirits. We should be able to discern spirits. Not only wrong spirits, discern devils, demons. Hey, no, baby, yeah, that's part of it. But you can discern also the presence of the Lord. You can discern times and seasons. Not a good time to invest your money in that business. Not a good time, not a good time. Discernment. That's even less than discerning of spirits because this one opens you up to the spirit world. You can discern angels. Angels are spirits. Find that in Psalm 104. Who maketh his angels, spirits, and his ministers flames of fire. You can get to a place and sense that there is a heavy traffic of angels in this place. Oh Lord, I thank you. Whoa, this place is loaded tonight. Thank you, Father. Angels are all over the building. Amen. You can discern spirits. And if there are evil spirits in the place, you can also discern them. And when you get there, they are not comfortable. And you are not comfortable either. There's a war going on. When light shows up in darkness. I was telling my wife an experience I had when I went to pray with someone in the hospital. And there was someone there that had an antagonistic spirit. And she was talking to this other person on the sick bed. And I didn't like the way she was talking. And so I was countering what she was saying. You need to help this person's faith to come up. It's not time to talk them down. The spirit of God doesn't do that. It's like somebody is injured and you want to kill them. No, you should build them up. Are, are you with me tonight? The sending of spirits. Sending of spirits. You want to marry somebody, you better be able to descend. He looks handsome. He's tall, dark, handsome, has money, speaks good English. He just might be some devil. He has the figure eight. She's, she's curvy and all your life is curved. All right, now don't worry. When you get married, you, you, you get into the curve. The world is looking for how to flatten the curve. You want to get into the curve. And people run into trouble a lot, a whole lot. And many marriages in trouble now because somebody made the wrong choice. She looks nice. She can't hurt a fly. Oh, yeah? You'll find out. To another, diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. That makes the nine of them. But all this work at that one and the same spirit, dividing to every man severally as a will. Glory be to God. Somebody say nine gifts, one spirit. Say it again, nine gifts. One spirit. Say nine gifts. One Holy Spirit. I love him because when he comes, he never comes empty-handed. These are gifts. And I ask you tonight. When you say something is a gift, what do you have to do to receive a gift? You have to fast and pray. 
Because if you go over to verse 30, 31, that same chapter, verse 31, Paul the apostle by the spirit wrote, but convert earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. He said we should convert it. How do we convert it? This should be a question we need to ask. How do we convert the, the, the best gift? Now, what is the best gift of the man? Okay, so let's categorize them. And then we now talk about them. Then I ask you, how do we convert them earnestly? So there, there are nine of them. Three of them say something. Is that right? Three of them do something. And three of them reveal something. Some have never been in this class. It's okay, we'll help you to catch up. Three of them say something. Three of them do something. Three of them reveal something. The three that say something are called utterance gifts. Someone say utterance gifts. Now, number one of the three gifts that say something, we have the gift of prophecy. Someone say prophecy. Because it says something. Number two, diverse kinds of tongues is also saying something. And number three, interpretation of tongues is also saying something. So somebody say prophecy. Say, sorry, say the gift of prophecy. The gift of diverse kind of tongues. And the gift of interpretation of tongues. Those are the three gifts that say something. Number two category, we have the three gifts that do something. These gifts are also called the power gifts or gift of power. One, number one, the most important among them is the gift of faith. The gift of special faith. Someone say the gift of special faith. Number two in that category is the gift of the working of miracles. Say working of miracles. That is a gift, working of miracles. When it is working in your life, it is working miracles in your life and in the lives of people that come close to you. You pray for them and the gift goes into operation and a miracle is wrought. The gift of faith doesn't do a miracle, but it receives a miracle. You can receive anything from God. And I love that. And many times, they work together. These gifts work together. A lot of times. You can have three of them working together in one person. That's why we need to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. We need to yield ourselves. That is how. Yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. Don't yield to the flesh. The flesh tries to pull all of us every time. Pull us into pornography. Pull us into masturbation. Pull us into voyeurism. Pull us into drugs. Pull us into alcohol. It is the flesh. Can I tell you what? There is nothing anybody is going through that is new. It is your yieldedness to the Holy Spirit that determines your usefulness. You remember that? So we're talking about the gift that do something. The gift of faith. Working of miracles. What is number three? The gifts of healings. And I look forward to the Holy Spirit deploying that in this house and healings, healings, healings in every service. Anybody comes to our services and they, they are sick, they go back healed. Can I have an amen? And I mean without the laying on of hands necessarily, the word of God going forth, worship going forth, prayer going forth, and people are getting healed. Can I have an amen? The power gifts. We must convert them. We can't afford to be a powerless church. And I'm, I'm encouraged once and again when we have testimonies. Like the lady that joined us, she came from the east and then from the east to Lagos and Lagos to church. And, and she, had a, she had a severe toothache, OJ's cousin. I didn't know about it. 
I didn't pray about it. I just said, receive your healing in the name of Jesus. And she received the healing. I didn't pray for her. She was somewhere in the service, at the dawn service, early Sunday morning. I think God is doing something with that dawn service. Because online people are also sharing testimonies. And second service also is offering. So don't think anyone is less. Either is less now. Because it was in that service, second service, that God released the gift of the working of miracles sometime ago, sometime in August. And it started having supernatural acceleration, even my life. I thought I was praying for the people, but hey, the Bible says that the one that labors will be the first partaker. If what you are preaching is not working in your life, then people will not believe you. It doesn't work for you. Physician, heal thyself. They told Jesus, physician, heal thyself. You are the savior of the world. Oh, yeah, jump down. Come and save yourself. They, they lacked understanding anyway. But many would not believe you until they begin to see results in your life. And when results begin to come, they will also fight it. But that's fine. Amen? That's fine. Don't stay small because of what people are going to say. If you wait to get validation from people for the blessings that God will bring into your life, you will remain small for life. Because people will never validate that God should elevate you. People are comfortable as long as you're small. The moment God pushes you forward, then everybody suddenly has an idea. How you should live your life. How you should manage your money. Everybody's trying to teach me how to build a house now. <laughs> I said that to my wife. I said, where were they? Several months ago. And where were they years ago? Where were they when I was making my confession? Glory be to God. The last bit of the gifts, the last category... We have the three gifts that reveal something. And that's this where we close for tonight. What are those gifts that reveal something? One, word of wisdom. Two, word of knowledge. Three, three, discerning of spirits. These three gifts reveal something. What do they reveal? The word of knowledge reveals something in the mind of God. For the present, something happening right now that you don't know and God wants you to know. And it's going on right now. How do you know? The Holy Spirit. Word of wisdom. Something in the mind of God for the future. Something is going to come. This is how to handle it. This is how to go about it. This is how to get through. Word of knowledge. Word of wisdom. Descending of spirits. Ability to see into the realm of the spirit. In closing tonight, I made a statement earlier. I want to break it down, and then we close. So, I've mentioned all the nine gifts. We've treated how many of them already? I guess we're on the sixth one. We've treated word of wisdom, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, descending of spirits. Those are the three gifts that reveal something. Revelation gifts, we've, we've, dealt, we've dealt with the three of them. Then, we've also dealt with the power gifts, the gift of faith, working of miracles, and then we stopped on the gifts of healings. So I'm going to take it up from there next week. I'm going to talk about the gifts of healings. And I'm, I, I want to see God heal people. Amen? People come with migraine and they go back. They don't know when it disappears. Can I have an amen to that? Tumor disappears. Can I have an amen to that? Growth in your body disappears in the name of Jesus. People say, I have insomnia. I can't sleep every night. I have to take sedatives to sleep. No, no, no. God gives sleep to his beloved. You should hit your bed and start snoring. If you don't snow, how do you enjoy your sleep? That's just an enlightenment anyway. 
So I'm going to talk briefly about the word of knowledge because that was the very first I taught and then I'll stop it. Amen. I won't go beyond my time. Let me close my notes and close my Bible. Praise God. I've not even spoken from the notes anyways. Word of knowledge, what does this mean? I spoke about knowledge. Knowledge can be increased. As you go to school, from stage to stage, you're increasing knowledge. In secondary school, you were taught, maybe SS1, what's an atom if you were in science? An atom is the smallest indivisible particle of an element. After a while, you were taught that even atoms can be broken into three. Proton, neutron, and electron. Right? Knowledge increased. If you go further to the uni and you study physics, then it will surprise you that proton, neutron, and electron can still further be looked into. And it, they will expand it and expound it. Amen? If you go into the field of medicine, they will tell you about the mitochondrion, which is the powerhouse of a cell. Then they will break it further down. They'll tell you about ATP, adenosine triphosphate. Break it down. The process of respiration that you were taught in biology, they'll break it down in the university. They will tell you how it works. Oh, you need to study anatomy. Oh my God. Anatomy will just finish everything in the human body. Knowledge. Also, you can increase in the knowledge of God. You can know God more. Like you can know your course of study more, you can know God more. Colossians 1.10. Paul prayed for the Colossian church and by extension for us that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. I love the last part. And increasing in the knowledge of God. That gives me the assurance that I can know God more. It doesn't matter how much of God you know now. Maybe you know just a little about God. Just a little. But guess what? The closer you are to your Bible and to the Holy Spirit, the more of God you will know. Don't just know your Bible, but start from the Bible. God is the God of the Bible, but the Bible is not God. Amen? It is possible also to know the Bible and not really know God. Some people read the Bible just like any other book. And you may be an actor, for example. They give you a script. And ask you to quote a particular portion of the Bible. That doesn't make you born again. You can quote it. Hey, John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. And then you read it off. Some people can read off the whole of Psalm 119. Like the longest psalm in the Bible. It's a matter of just memorizing it. That's all. Does that make them born again? No. I can tell you Psalm 1. From verse 1 to 6. Blessed the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of his comfort, but is led in love, Lord, and his Lord does not make day and night. It shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaves shall not wither, whatsoever it shall prosper. But the ungodly are not so. Like you can reel out all of that. That doesn't mean you know God. But the Bible will introduce you to God. Because in the Bible, you will see the nature and character of God. You will see how he does things. You will see what he expects of you. This morning, for example, I spent like 30 minutes, 45 minutes plus an hour alone with God very early. My wife and I wanted to gist. I told her, mm, I don't want to miss this period. I don't want to miss this. There's something about my early morning. That's my best time of the day. I want to be alone with God. And I was in Proverbs 13. Oh my God, the Lord opened me up. He corrected me. He showed me certain instructions to follow. And there was a confirmation much later in the day from Proverbs 13. I usually would quote Proverbs 13, 20. 
Proverbs 13, 20 says, He that walketh with the wise shall be wise, but a com- the companion of fools shall be destroyed. I said, I don't want to be destroyed. He says, so don't be a companion of fools. Okay. Let me even go to verse 1. And the Lord started talking to me from verse 1 all the way to the end. And man, it was a good time. Is Pastor Fred wiser now? Yes. Just for hanging out with God. An hour. Do same. I, I encourage you, do same. Make out some time and let it be regimented. Let it be, this is the time. Can I tell you something I've, I've observed about God? I didn't read that anywhere. God honors appointments. God keeps appointments. We meet here 5.30 p.m. every Thursday. If we don't come 5.30 p.m. next Thursday, God is going to be here. And if anybody chooses to come, even though there is no general service, and sits down and opens up their heart, God will meet with them. God honors appointments. So if you want to do 5 a.m., that's fine. Oh, that's too early, Pastor. 5.30, that's fine. Oh, that's too early, Pastor. 6 a.m., that's fine. Oh, that's too early, Pastor. 7 a.m., that's fine. But whatever time you pick, oh no, even if it's 2 p.m., it's fine. <laughs> it is, we are the ones that have issues with night and day. If you choose 1 a.m., God is cool with it. He'll be there. Some people think, well, that midnight is when you really, is very spiritual. That's when you meet God. It's a lie. You can meet God anytime. The day and the night makes no difference before God. Everything is bright before him. Can I have an amen to that? Hang out with God. Hang out with God. You will know certain things. You will increase in knowledge. In Daniel 11.32, the Bible says, But the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. When you know God, you become strong. Then that knowledge of God that you have will strengthen you. What trips others up? What makes them get get easily, you know, uh, 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 faced off or get easily... uh, uh, jittery, or makes them easily lily-livered, you just look at it and wink. Because you know God. Like you're going home tonight, and everybody is trying to say, ah, no, don't go that way. You know, no, no, no. Anywhere I am, the Lord is with me. The angels are marching with me. That's the way to my house, and I'm going home. If there are hoodlums there, they get out before I get there. Because the people that do know their God, they shall be strong and do exploits. I taught that at the University of Ibadan many years ago in Bible study. And a lady who was always living in perpetual fear, she was living in the world at the time. She was in the service, Trenchard Hall, oh no, um, Tedder. Tedder Hall, old senior common room. I was taking Bible study like this. She said after the service that night, she said, Tonight I'm going to go boldly. <laughs> Praise God. And she got down at the world under the bridge and she walked boldly through the thugs. Nobody harassed her. She didn't even tell me. She told her brother-in-law who now told me. She said, I heard Pastor Fred preach about it. I said, man, tonight I'm not going to live in fear. You, how long are you going to live there? You're going to be living in fear every day. You're a child of the Almighty God. I'm not saying be careless. I'm not saying be reckless. But if you are on your duty, you are going home. You're going to your house. You should go home. With, with confidence. Knowing the people that are with you. Those who are with you are more than those who are with them. Can I have an amen to that? Don't fear their fear. That's one kind of knowledge. And that can be increased. And I don't expect you to be on the same level of spiritual knowledge. Year in, year out. 
Some of us knew John 3.16 when we gave our lives to Christ. John 3.3 and John 3.16. It's been 10 years now. And all you still know are John 3.3 and John 3.16. Me, I don't know any other scripture. But what I know, ah, nobody can take it away from me. John 3.3, John 3.16. Thank God for what you know. But hey, grow up. Know a little more. The same tongue you've been speaking. Ushakashoko, ushakashoko. You just change the rhythm. It's been five years, sister. That tongue is becoming rusty in your mouth. Change it. Improve. Improve. Add more syllables. Add more vocabulary. Spiritual vocabulary. Grow! We can grow in knowledge. Another kind of knowledge in the Bible is the spirit of knowledge. I promise to not open my Bible, but let's, let's open this one. At least this one time. Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. Verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Verse 2. And the spirit of the Lord shall be, shall rest upon him. Now, I use this to pray for my children. You can use this to pray for your children that are yet unborn. But they are in your loins now. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon Tireni Olua and Onteolua Elegbe. That's one. Two, the spirit of wisdom. That's two. And the spirit of understanding. That's three. And the spirit of counsel. That's four. And the spirit of might, that's five. And the spirit of knowledge. Can you see that? That's six. And the spirit of the fear of the Lord, seven. They are called the seven spirits of God. One of them is the spirit of knowledge. Can I have an amen to that? So you've seen knowledge, is that right? Colossians 1.10. You've seen the spirit of knowledge. Isaiah 11 and verse 2. There is also, finally, the word of knowledge. The word of knowledge was what we saw in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you read that from verse 1 all the way to 11, somewhere sandwiched in between, you will find the word of knowledge. What is the word of knowledge? God is all-knowing. God knows everything, but he doesn't reveal everything that he knows to man. No man is all-knowing. The fact that you're a pilot does not mean you can carry out a court case and win a court case. You are not a lawyer. You are not schooled in the field of law. You are just a pilot to fly planes. And even if you're a pilot lawyer or lawyer pilot, like some people are pastor Lawo, they mix the two. They are pastors, they are babalawos. They mix the two. So I call them pastor Lawo. I got that from a friend of mine in England. He first mentioned, I said, what's that? He said, pastor Lawo is a combination of pastor and babalawo. I said, oh, okay. There are all kinds of people in ministry today. Deceiving people, making merchandise of God's people. They're on Facebook. They're on all the social media. All they know is to deceive people and collect money from them. They say, look. And I don't know why they are Yoruba many times. Forgive me. I'm Yoruba myself. But they're not all Yoruba. There are some of them in, in Delta. In the East, oh no, they, are, they, are, they, are. they have a hub there. A hub. I think it's even more terrible over there than what we have here. They deceive people. It's all a lie. There's this special belt. It's from Jerusalem. What is that? Did Jesus heal anybody with the belt? 
There's this special water, special handkerchief, special oil, special whatever, whatever. All you need is faith in God. Can I have an amen? They came to Jesus, Lord, the, the fig tree you cursed yesterday is withered from the roots. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus responded by saying, have faith in God. I said, Lord, what's the correlation? They said, the fig tree you cursed is withered from the roots. The answer, have faith in God. I don't know why Jesus responds like that. Have you ever wondered? Nicodemus came to him, John, John chapter 3. He, he tiptoed into his room in the night. Rabbi, we know you're a man from God. You're a teacher from God. No man can do all the miracles you do. In fact, we know God is with you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, cannot see the kingdom of God. What is that? I mean, I thought he would say, yeah, you know, man, I got special power from God. You guys don't know me. I'm, I'm, I'm bad. I'm a son of God, man. If you try me, I can tell the oh, ground. Lift him, lift him, lift him. I would have done that, but not Jesus. It was like a complete detour from the point of focus. Does anybody feel like, like I feel sometimes? I say, Lord, what is this now? What are you singing? Check out most of his responses. They're like that. It will just completely take you away, away from your carnality and bring you to where you're supposed to be. He said, have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. As we close tonight, somebody say, Pastor, I have an issue in my life. I don't know. Have faith in God. Pastor, what about the lump in my body? What about the growth in that part of my body? Have faith in God. Pastor, as well as called on strike, I'm supposed to have returned to school. My parents don't have money. Have faith in God. Pastor, my parents are fighting each other. They're not seeing eyeball to eyeball. What am I going to do? Have faith in God. Pastor, we have bills to pay and we just don't know where money is going to come from. Have faith in God. Pastor, there's a demonic problem worrying our family from generation to generation. Have faith in God. Stand on your feet tonight. Have faith in God. Mama is in whatever, whatever, whatever in the hospital. Have faith. 